This morning we're going to be uh, talking about um, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and uh, the Bible tells us that uh, the Bible depicts the church or the body of believers as uh, three three different ways. It, uh, first of all, it depicts us as a family. Um, you know, uh, where it, you know in a family relationships are more important than rules and regulations. Uh, the Bible depicts us as a, a as a fellowship, as a unit. We come together, um, you know, each having their own gifts and talents, and, and the church kind of grows as a result of that. And then one of the most common uh, ways that the Bible depicts the uh, the body of believers is a flock. And um, uh, for example, out of Psalm 100, and, uh, 100 verses one through three, it says, "Shout to the Lord." Uh, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so I want to talk about that this morning uh, using uh, both John chapter 10, a very familiar scripture to you, and uh, Psalm 23. Um, and so I want us to just kind of read through Psalm, or, uh, John 10 this morning and uh, Jesus is contrasting himself as the good shepherd uh, as opposed to Satan who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we'll pick it up in, I think, verse 11. It says, the thief, speaking about the devil or Satan, uh, does not come except for to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus speaking. Uh, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep Notice the contrast here with what the hireling does or the thief does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He says the hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and have known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring that they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. Jesus is speaking about his life. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down uh, of myself and I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. And so, as I mentioned, that Jesus is contra contrasting himself between uh, him and the wolf or the hireling and the, and the thief. And he says that there's, there's three ways. There's three things that the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. And when we think about the, the theft or stealing, typically we think about, you know, financially or materially, but uh, I, I want to just tell you that, you know, the enemy has come to take your peace, to take your joy. Your, you know, he's going to, wants to rob you of your emotional energy. Um, just anything that he can do to keep you from being effective in the kingdom of God. Anything that he can do to keep you from enjoying the abundant life that Christ has uh, promised. So he wants to, number one, steal from you. Number two, he wants to kill you. I mean, he wants to destroy you physically. He wants to destroy you emotionally, your mind, your will. Um, he wants to destroy you spiritually. 
and get you off in these tangents, you know, am I really saved? And, you know, this, this constant little whispering going back before, you know, the enemy and you, you know, are you really saved? If you were a Christian, how many of you ever heard that? If you were really a Christian, you know, you wouldn't have done this, this, and this. You know, and so all of these things are just robbing our peace and robbing our joy. It gets us, you know, we, we start doubting. We start questioning God's word. Remember, that was the very thing that he did in the garden to Adam and Eve. Uh, you know, did God really say that? Did God really say you shouldn't eat of this tree? And so he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy he wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy the influence that you have, your effectiveness, the influence you have. Each of us has this, this sphere of influence, uh, you know, among our family and friends, and, and the enemy is constantly there just trying to, uh, try, you know, trying to destroy that or to wreck that. And then we look over in Psalm 23. This is, uh, you know, Jesus in John, in the, in the book of John, he talks about, you know, himself in, in several, uh, several different ways. One is that, you know, he's the good shepherd. The other is that, you know, he speaks of himself as the Messiah. Uh, another one is the, the great physician, the healer. Uh, next week we're going to talk about Jesus being the lamb. By the way, I want to just encourage you um, to invite someone. We've got some invite cards and I think our, our leadership will be passing those out as you walk through the doors uh, on your way out of the service this morning. You just take one of those and invite someone to come. Join us next Sunday. It'll, it'll be a great service speaking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. In uh, Psalm 23, this is uh, David, the, the, the great psalmist David. Uh, he says, and just I want you to just think about this in what we just in context with what we just read, the Lord is my shepherd. And we just said we established that Jesus is the good shepherd. So when we're thinking about this, we're reading the psalm. I want us to think about Jesus being this good shepherd. As, as a matter of fact, I've got it. Uh, I've got this on the overhead. Uh, why don't we just? This is a great psalm of all the psalms. Maybe one of the greatest of, of all the psalms that are there. Let's just. Uh, why don't we just stand and just read this together? Okay. And um, I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and that's what I have on the overhead. So if you don't have that translation in your Bible today, why don't we just read it from the overhead? Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Good psalm. All right. Um, I want to just kind of break it down for us this morning. Um, the good shepherd, the first thing that we see in this psalm is we, uh, you know, kind of like take it apart. The good shepherd provides. How many of you guys are watching the, the, uh, the series, the Bible series on TV? A few of you are. Okay. Be on tonight. Um, in one of the first or second episodes, one of the first things that we saw there was... Um, Abraham going up on the mountain to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. It was kind of like God's test in Abraham's life. You know, do you love me? Do you, are, are you willing to give me the thing that you love the most? 
And when God saw that Abraham was, uh, you know, it was just like, okay, here's a test that he has to pass. But I'm going to just read this, if I can, out of Genesis chapter 22. And if you've been around church at all or you've had a, just a whiff of Christianity, um, you know this story. It's a great story um, where Abraham goes up on that mountain. It says, And they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there um, and placed the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand, took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a, a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. We know it as Jehovah-Jireh. It, it just simply means that God will provide. Now, I want to just tell you that you know, it's one of the things, one of the things that jumps out uh, in, this, in this psalm here is that God will provide. Um, you know what? If you believe, and I, I think that you know, this economic crisis or crunch that we've experienced in this country has kind of got a lot of people just reeling kind of like you know on their back on their back feet or on their on their heels it's just kind of like you're kind of reeling from you know staggering from being in this uh, in this economic uh, crunch that we're in right now but I want to tell you that you will open the door uh, to a lot that the enemy has to offer. Remember we said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. You will open up the door if you think that you are the provider. If you think that provision is a, a dependent upon you, you know, you will just fall into the enemy's snare and trap. And you're constantly going to be, your mind will be focused on, you know, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, you know, and you, you become uh, consumed with the fact that, you know, you've got to get out and make it happen instead of leaning on God and, and trusting him to make it happen. That's exactly what Abraham did. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen on that mountain. He just knew that he needed to trust God. He gets up on the mountain, he begins to trust God, and God shows him provision that he did not know was there. I want to just tell you that I believe that God is opening doors for you today. He's opening up uh, ways of provision that you don't even know that are there. It's like it's there, it's been there all the time, you just haven't seen it. Just like Abraham turning at that moment, you know, God's saying, don't do this, don't go this direction, don't, don't take your son's life. And at that moment, he looks and, and just like, you know, how'd that happen? I mean, that ram was there all the time, he just hadn't seen it. I mean, he didn't move, it's not like he walked 100 yards or so. The ram was right there, he just hadn't seen it. I want to just tell you that I believe that there is provision that's right there right now. God just hasn't opened your eyes to see it yet. And we're going to pray that God will open our eyes that we can see it. All right. One of the things I want to just say that, uh, you know, as a good shepherd, Jesus is a good shepherd. He does not always give the sheep what they want, but he always gives the sheep what they need. And, and one of the greatest illustrations of this is in the Bible. You know, when we look at the nation uh, of Israel, that Jesus came into his own. And what they wanted, what the, what the nation wanted, and why Jesus was rejected, is they wanted a political leader. God said, no, you don't need a political leader, at least not now. What you need is the Savior. And they rejected that. And I want to just say to us this morning and just, you know, 
you know, a little self-examination here this morning. You know, is there something that we think that we need and are we missing God's provision in our life because we're focusing on what we think that we need rather than what God knows that we need? We need a Savior just like them. Psalm 23, again, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The, the number one thing that I believe that God provides us is that uh, he provides us. When we read this, he says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Green pastures and still waters represent contentment and peace. And that's, that should be the characteristic of everyone in this room. If you're a believer in Christ, you should have contentment and, and peace. And I don't know if you've ever analyzed this or not, but when we come to church on Sunday morning, there are two things that we get. You know, we, we, we minister peace. We're ministered the peace of God through worship. I mean, you know, you can just, I, I don't care, you know, how much trouble you have. If you come in and, and you really engage in worship, uh, it's kind of like you forget about your troubles. You forget about your problems for just for a moment, and you have this incredible peace in your life. You know, I, I remember in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel, after David kills the giant, and um, uh and it says that Saul, because, because of Saul's envy and jealousy of David, remember the women come back and they're singing, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, David's killed his uh, tens of thousands. It said that, that Saul began to envy him and he looked at him with an evil eye. He was jealous of him. And it says that there was a, um, a tormenting spirit that came upon Saul. But when David and some of the household of Saul said, look, let's look around, let's find someone that's skillful in playing the harp, and, and this harp, this worship, will soothe and, and bring tranquility and peace to, to Saul. And so that's what they did. They went and found David, and when Saul was troubled, David would play the harp, and this peace would come upon him. That's exactly what happens in worship. When you and I come in together to worship the Lord, no matter what problems we have or trials we're going through, we seem to just forget that, and, and this peace comes upon us. And so we have this, uh, that, that represents the steel waters. The, the green pastures is the word of God that we receive. It's not the, the preacher. It's not, you know, the one that gives the word. It's the word itself. God's word has life in itself. It's like seed bearing, and it, and it brings forth life. The word of God is life. And so when we come into a, to a, a church service, we receive the still waters of worship, the peace of worship, and, and, the, and the message or the word of God, which... Uh, satisfies our soul. And I would just tell you that, you know, um, if you're struggling through the week, you, you, you know, one hour on Sunday is not going to do it for you. You guys understand that, right? I, and, and God's not interested in a weekend affair with you, okay? Yeah, you know, he, he, he's not interested in a, in a one-hour affair with you on Sunday morning, okay? You know, when you leave, you, you need to engage in worship and you need to engage in the reading of God's Word, it will be well with you. So he provides a contentment and peace. The second thing that he provides is restoration. He says, he restores my soul. And he leads me in paths of, of righteousness for his namesake. Um, restoration. Have you ever heard somebody say, and, and you've been around people, that it, it's just like, I was crushed you know, when my husband said that he was leading. Or I was just totally destroyed when you know, I lost my job. 
or I was devastated when I saw my kids doing this, this, and this. You know, what you're saying, what a person is saying is that my soul was crushed. My soul was devastated. My soul was destroyed. And, and so the Bible says here in the psalm, he says that um, he, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He restores my soul. And I've I, I got to tell you that, you know, I, while I, I'm certainly happy to send you to a counselor if you need counseling or, or have somebody pray with you. But if you need restoration of your soul, there's only one person that can do that, the good shepherd. It's only Jesus that can bring restoration to your soul. Are you guys with me this morning? All right, all right, come on, come on. I, I, I need it, I need it. I need a little feedback here because I, I want to make sure you guys are awake and you're getting this, all right? Now listen, so, uh, so when you need restoration of your soul, you know, you're not gonna, that's not going to be counseled out of you. You need to have a one-on-one. -on -one. You need to have an encounter with the good shepherd, and the good shepherd will restore your soul. This uh, verse from Acts 13 is kind of like it, and I'll, I'll probably say this about five times today, one of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite scriptures. All right, so uh, although it is uh, in Acts chapter 3, listen to this. Um, now, Peter's talking to this group of people, and he tells them, he says, now, repent, just change the way that you're thinking, uh, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. So listen to this right here. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. You know what? I, I looked, and in my Bible, at least in the translation that I'm using, that, that's the only time that that word is used in the Bible. Times of refreshing. That times of refreshing would come to you. And, I, you know, I'm not going to give you all of it, but uh, some of the Greek translations of that word are this, okay? Um, a recovery of breath, okay? A recovery. It's just like you can breathe again. You can breathe again, all right? Um, and another word, or another way that it's used, as uh, an enslaver, as an enslaver, like a king, would bring men to their feet and have them appear before him, and it's like the king has the authority to say, release, you're free. Go back to the way that you used to be. Experience that freedom that you once had. And then uh, another translation is, uh, it's an Israeli name, and it means a man of victory. Having these times of refreshing where you're able to move forward. You've been ensnared, and God's saying, you know what? You know, you need this time of refreshing to come in your life. You need to, to, to go back to the way that you used to be when you had life and goodness and joy were in your life and not being enslaved or ensnared, all right? So... Then the third thing that we see that he provides is he provides guidance. Uh, Psalm 23 again says in verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I love that. He leads me in paths of righteousness, not just for my sake, but for his sake. Um, again, another one of my favorite scriptures from Psalm 32. He says, you know this, you are my hiding place. From every storm of life, you keep me from getting into trouble. I, I tell you what, that's good news. I like that. You keep me from getting into trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Now listen to this. Right up there, like one of my very favorite. Listen, 
I will instruct you, says the Lord, and guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch your progress. Now, man, I tell you what, that's good stuff. That is good. He said, I, you know, it's just like, you know, I mean, for 20 years I'm banging my head against the wall trying to figure it out, trying to figure out life. Let me try this. Let me do this. And just like failure after failure after failure. It's just like, you know, have you ever heard that expression, everything he touches turns to gold? Well, that wasn't with me. Everything I touched turned to something terrible. <laughs> I can't say it in church. All right. So, but, you know, it's just like, you know, and then once you just like, you come to God and it's like, God, you know, I know you love me. I know that you care for me. I know that, you know, you have, you know, if we understand this, if we understand that God's thoughts for you, that his concerns for you, uh, he says that, you know, I, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, a plans for hope and for a future, not a plan to, you know, bring judgment on you, not a plan to whip you, not a plan to beat you down, not a plan to, you know, watch you writhe in misery. That's not God's plan for you. He says that I want to lead you along and guide you along the best pathway for your life. And I will advise you and watch your progress. And I love that. You know, it's like, Lord, how's my progress? How, how are we doing? How, are we making it? Am I, am I okay? Am I in the right place? And, uh, you know, let me just say this. He says, I will lead you. That's what a shepherd does. A good shepherd leads the sheep. You know what? You know, like, I, I, I got cows. I got some cows, okay? I, I mean, I've always wanted to be a cowboy, rancher kind of a guy. And so uh, I got to tell you this story. You know, uh, we, we have this property down in Texas, and uh, it's just, uh, most of it is leased property, and it's grassland. And I, it's kind of like, you know, it came to me. I bought a piece of property, and then I got the lease, and then I ended up selling the, the main part of the property, the deeded, but I got to keep the lease. And it was just so cheap, I thought, well, you know, the grass is like, you know, seriously from the floor about that high. And I thought, well, I could put some cows on it. So, I, you know, I just kind of like, you know, did this like quick cowboy research kind of a thing. Uh, you know, uh, I, where's Pat? I know that he's got to be laughing at me right now, right over there. Okay. So, uh, so I, I just kind of like, I, I thought, I, I want to find what I thought was the best kind of cattle. And the, at least the most expensive cattle for that area were Brahma cattle. And, you know, they got the little hump on the back and all of that. So I go to this auction and, you know, buying cattle, you know, so thinking, you know, I, I walk through the pen. These are the ones I like. And uh, so we, we get them in the truck and bring them out. And it was just like it all happened so quick. You know, I never really thought that I probably should put them in a small pen to see, you know, let them kind of get used to us. So I thought, well, uh, there were like nine mothers and I think three babies or something like that. So I thought, I'm going to let the babies out first. And then, you know, they'll stick around. And then when the moms get out, you know, they'll. So we open the door. I'm not kidding you. This is just exactly how it happened. We opened the door. The baby started running. They ran through the fence of my property, across the railroad track, and through the next fence. It was just like they were gone. I mean, just like right out of the box, three of my herd are just like totally gone. I don't know why I'm telling this story, because where am I going with this? Oh, okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, it's just like totally gone, you know, and I'm thinking, man, there's not going to be a lot of profit in this business if I'm losing just three out of the box. Anyway, 
the mothers were not a whole lot different, you know. It was just like we couldn't keep them in the pasture. So, uh, and, and, you know, uh, we were trying to, to drive them, trying to, you know, cowboy drive them to market because after a while, I, you know, it's just like, I, you know, I thought, I bought deer. I, honestly, I thought these things are so wild and crazy. It's like, you know, trying to herd deer. And so we ended up get, getting rid of those. But the point I wanted to make is that, uh, <laughs> the point I wanted to make is that, you know, that sometimes you can drive cattle, but you can't drive sheep. I'm going to show you this little video here. <laughs> Let me show you this little video. If you guys would shut the lights for a sec. Crank that thing up. <laughs> sweet that's a sweet picture right there and you know Jesus says that uh, my sheep know my voice that we can hear the shepherd's voice but um, all right so the next point that I want to make here not only does he provide for us but he also protects us and notice this uh, verse 4 he says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil I will fear no evil uh, another great scripture from Psalm 112, it says, he will have no fear, talking about a righteous man, a man of God. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure, and he will never or not have fear. So the Lord is with us. The, 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 the number one reason that, uh, that we know that God protects us is that because he is with us. We're not in battle alone. You don't go into battle alone. That in battle, he is with you, and you don't have to be afraid. Uh, Psalm verse 4 again says that you are with me. Uh, and I want to just tell you that, you know, the wolf is not afraid of the sheep, uh, but the wolf is afraid of the shepherd. And it's the shepherd that lays down his life that will drive the wolf away uh, so that God is with you. I, and I don't know if you've ever been in the middle of a, a, a heated battle, just like a, I'm not talking about a war or, you know, anything like that, a, you know, physical conflict, but I'm just talking about that spiritual warfare. 
and you know, and then all of a sudden you just get this like, you know, you you know, it's just your mind is again just consumed with the thought of the problems that you're face, facing or whatever you're dealing with. And, you know, we've all been there. It's just like you can't, you know, we know the scripture that says we shouldn't worry. And yet it's just like right at the forefront, just right there. We just can't, like, get it out of our mind. It's just like there, it's there, it's there. And I don't know why. Just like every time we face something like this, we try to figure it out. We try to, like, do it on our own. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just like we get clarity. It's just like, you know, God shows up and uh, it's like, Okay, Lord, you're here. You're here. You're going to give me the direction. You're going to show me what I need to do. The second thing that we see here is that he, not only does he, is he with us in battle, but he blesses us in battle. And I want you to just think about this for a second. And he says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. So, you know, just if you could, just with your eyes closed for just a moment, I want you to just imagine just the, the heat of the greatest conflict that you've ever been in. And uh, just just this incredible battle, but I, I want you to see just this beautiful table, white linen tablecloth, candles and silverware and food, and just you and Jesus sitting at the table, just you and Jesus sitting at the table, and the battle is just like all around you. Uh, okay, stop. <laughs> back back to me, back to me. All right. Uh, here's a, here's a great example of that in Second uh, Kings. Watch this. This is Elisha and his servant. Remember that Elisha was uh, the servant of Elijah. Elijah gets caught up into heaven, the chariot of fire. Elisha catches the mantle, double portion falls upon him. says the next morning an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. And the servant said, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elijah prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and, char horses and chariots of fire all around them. And I want to just tell you that that's not just an Old Testament story. This is true for you and I today. That God is with us in the heat of the battle, in the middle of the battle. God is there with you. You're not going through this thing alone. And he blesses you. He will bless you in the presence of your enemies. And then he refreshes us in battle. Notice this. He says in verse 5 that you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And when we talk about that uh, refreshing or strengthening in us, strengthening us in battle, uh, when oil is used in Scripture, it usually refers to those two things. That anointing is a a strengthening or a refreshing uh, it, when when oil is used. And notice what he says, that it's not just like, uh, you know, I think that a lot of times that we think that God's supply is like those two cowboys crossing the desert, you know, and they've got like, you know, an inch of water in the canteen and they're rationing it out. You know, you take a cap and I'll take a cap. You take a cap and I'll take a cap. You know, the, the psalmist says here, my cup overflows. It's running over. The abundance of God, what God is giving me right now is overflowing in my life. That there's always going to be enough for you. There's no lack there with him. And then the third thing that the shepherd, uh, shepherd does is the shepherd proclaims. And notice these, uh, these last couple of verses, verse 6. He says, Surely, goodness, I, you know, I, you know the, 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 the shepherd provides for him, and the shepherd uh, protects him, and the shepherd proclaims, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of, 
of the Lord forever. He pro proclaims goodness to us. We talked about this a little bit last week. You know, it's the goodness of God. It's, you know, it, it, it's just like that uh, the goodness of God, you know, the best way that I, it's like the goodness of God is pursuing you. And if some of you would just stop running from God long enough to let his goodness catch you, you'll be amazed at what God has in store for you. Just stop running and turn around. It's just like, okay, Lord, what is it that you want to show me? You know, it's not the judgment of God that's trying to catch you. It's the goodness of God. And so in Romans chapter, we, we talked about this last week, but I want you to hear it again. He says, do you despise the richness of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's not the hammer of God that brings you to repentance. It's not the judgment of God that brings you to repentance. It's the goodness of God, you know. And you just think about, Lord, I mean, I've been such a jerk. I've been such a, you know, whatever. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden God just like, you know, just his goodness shows up. And, and, then, I, and then I start thinking, you know, God, you know, David was right. He says, you don't treat me. You don't treat us like our sins deserve. You, you haven't treated me that way. You're not treating me like with the judgment that I should be getting. You're showing me goodness and you're showing me kindness. He proclaims goodness. He proclaims mercy. He says, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. For he has, turned, for he has heard my voice. He has heard my cry for mercy. One of the other translations say it like this. I love the Lord because. I love the Lord because. Let me, I just want to just, you know, when I thought about this, I thought there could be a hundred different answers from the congregation this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity to say why. I love the Lord because. Because what? He's given me life. He, loves me. he first loved me. He pursued me. Healing. All right. How about over here? You guys love the Lord? I love the Lord because? He forgave me. Ron? Children in my faith. Anybody else? Mercy and grace. I love the Lord because? He watches over me. I love the Lord because? I love the Lord because I love the Lord because Amen. Amen. We could go on all morning. I love the Lord because He heard my cry for mercy because He turned His ear to me. I will call on Him as long as I live. Listen to this. Misha, Grandy, some of you guys can relate to this. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow, and then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Be at rest once more, O oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. And then finally, he proclaims eternal life. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, finally, just closing, Psalm 73. 
whom do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.